It's time for episode 102 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, September 2nd, 2015. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the podcast where it's time to get up for school. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined, as I am so many weeks, by my co-host, Jason Snell. Hey, Dan. Good morning. It's time to go to school. five more minutes? Oh, man. It is. uh, I got two kids in new schools with new schedules coming off of summer. So, man, time to get up for school has a whole extra level of drama for me now. Well, I'm glad to never have to deal with that again until I someday do. Mm. We are joined, as we always are, by two fantastic guests to my left, making his first appearance on the Clockwise podcast. Welcome. It's Mr. Guy English. Hello. Happy to be here. Good to have you. And uh, to my left, a returning visitor to the Clockwise podcast and my uh, former co-worker back in the day at, at Mac user uh, is Shelly Brisbane. Hi, Shelly. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. It is a pleasure to hear your voice. We have four tech topics. And since I am this week's designated co-host, I will go first. Uh, Apple invited press uh, to an event in San Francisco next week, and prominently on that event invitation was a, a image that mentioned Siri and some text that, that also mentioned Siri. So clearly something is happening with Siri, unless this is all an elaborate red herring. Uh, and so my question for you guys is, we've heard some rumors that, that Siri might be a big part of a revamped Apple TV, but beyond that, what kind of things does Siri still sort of fail at? Or what other features would you like to see in Siri that aren't there yet? Guy? I'd like to see it. Uh, the accuracy is steadily improving. I mean, ultimately, I'd like it to be more accurate. Um, uh, greater integration across the OS is coming in OS 9. But again, that could you know always be improved. In terms of, of what it could offer, uh, I think Google Now has a pretty good... Um, Sort of framework in to, to to aspire to, um, integrating Siri with stuff like Spotlight and the um, the uh, what are they calling it? Like the full phone search, basically the proactive stuff that they have in OS nine would be interesting. Um, rather than notifications, I I wouldn't mind or optionally to have Siri notify me of things that that I may need to be aware of. Um, sort of like the watch tells you when to turn left or right, or you know Siri navigation kind of stuff. Um, Having that kind of thing in f- for other um, besides just navigation could be an interesting improvement. There's so many things, uh, Dan, that we could uh, see come to Siri. <laughs> Where do I start? I don't know. I mean, integration uh, with other data sources, which they've talked about for iOS nine. Let, getting having Siri be smarter, having Siri be able to connect to uh, to apps on my phone. Um, the you know there was a story about the universal search on Apple TV. So having that tied to Siri is good. Just you know, at this point, Siri just needs to be more useful um, it, it, in all ways, and that means more data, more connections. So for me it's it's pretty much that I, I would like something like the amazon echo um at some point in my house where i could call out for help from siri um and not have to have a device with me or press a remote control or something like that um but uh, apple may not like that as an idea figuring you've always got your iphone with you um and if they can integrate my phone with my ipad and with my apple tv and in, in my house so that i can control it all from one place uh, no matter uh, what that place is that would be fine too well i gotta agree with uh, both guy and jason i guess my 
The thing I would add is I'm excited about uh, public transit directions returning in iOS 9, and I would like to be able to ask Siri reasonably complicated things about uh, where I am in relation to what bus route. When is the number 10 going to arrive next, and where do I need to go to catch it, that sort of thing. So, uh, And I have to say that despite all the complaining about Siri accuracy, I have noticed that it has improved steadily over time. And with a few rare exceptions that usually happen when I'm out and about and I really need it to behave correctly and it doesn't, uh, I'm, I'm having improved response with Siri. And so I'm glad to see that just in terms of its general workability, uh, it's getting better, at least in my experience. Um, yeah, I agree with all all of what you guys said. I think that Siri has improved a lot in, in recent times. Um, I, I think that, as Guy mentioned, like better linkages across the system and throughout apps, some of which are, we think, coming, um, are a huge deal. Um, because right now it can only sort of tap into the things that Apple has sort of hand selected, you know, things like open table reservations and the like. Uh, I'd like to see some better um, implementations with things like, uh, you know, my flight app. So, for example, when I'm going to catch a plane or something, I would like to have it a little better uh, responses from Siri on to figure out, like, when is my plane? Where is my plane? <laughs> Why am I not on my plane right now? Um, and so, you know, I think overall, I, I'm very excited about the Apple TV possibilities because, as Jason said, having something that's just uh, an, a Siri, a way into Siri that is just there at various times and being able to use it to sort of skip through all those hierarchical menus and say, oh, show me what's on in my Netflix queue um, is sounds like a huge time saver and a huge improvement. But overall, I, I do think there are some cool things that, they, that can be done. If you've looked at any of the AI stuff, um, Wired had an article, I think, last year about the, some of the Siri co-founders who went off to form this place called Viv, um, which is actually working on sort of like an AI approach. Uh, and the stuff that it can sort of they're aiming to do is, is amazing, but also kind of scary because we get into like a Skynet territory. So maybe Apple will announce Skynet next week. Who knows? Uh, thank you all for your thoughts on that. Guy, what's your topic? Well, so it seems pretty evident that the, uh, the new Apple TV is going to be released uh, next week. Um, and it seems like the price point is going to be significantly higher than what we have now. Uh, now, granted, I think it's, what, 69 70 bucks American? Uh, and that's like a reduced price from the, the nominal sort of $100 one. Um, but it looks like these new ones are going to start at about $150 uh, and maybe go up to $200. Um, what kind of features would you want out of an Apple TV in order to sort of pay that premium? I mentioned before the rumor about universal search, which is really a great idea. And I've got that on my TiVo more or less. And it's really nice that I search for a movie or a TV show and I can see all the different services that offer it and jump to them, which I think is really good. Um, for me, it's the, it's the app development though. The, the idea right now, everything on the Apple TV is sort of like handpicked by Apple. Um, it can be developed. There is like a secret developer kit that's super primitive that people can use, but in the end they're being given it by Apple and then they're passing the code back to Apple and Apple's integrating it into the operating system and it's it's ridiculous that in an era of you know app stores for years and years now and all of apple tv's competition has downloadable app stores and apple's got this incredibly strong app store that there's no api there's no app store story for apple tv so that's that's absolutely what i want not just for games but for better entertainment apps like hbo go could probably be much better if hbo built an app to do it instead of using the stock apple code that every apple tv app uses i'm really excited about universal search and i have it on my roku it's also voice-based which is groovy and the way i watch tv has very little to do with what channel a show is on i hear about a show and i want to watch it and i'm so ignorant of 
what is on which channel that for me, universal search is the only way I'm actually going to get any benefit out of Apple TV because I'm, I'm not a browsing TV watcher anymore. And so I want to be able to say, this is the show I'm looking for. You tell me where it is and what it'll cost me and I'll decide. So that might actually get me to buy an Apple TV. Um, I haven't had one in, in quite some time. And you know, the price is concerning to me. I'm always a value shopper, and which is kind of silly being an Apple user. But uh, I think uh, if it had real workable universal search, and especially if uh, Siri was involved and could help me make fairly sophisticated requests, then uh, I'd be all about it. Yeah, I think Siri uh, and the universal search are a big one, obviously. Uh, Jason mentioned apps, which I think is the, the, obviously that seems where the premium comes into me because that's where the biggest potential for improvements are. Um, because you open up not only video providers, but perhaps things like games, perhaps companion apps uh, of the kind that we see on sort of the Apple Watch where things can have a more Apple TV oriented display. You can kind of do that with AirPlay right now, but it might open up the possibility for some more complex uh, logic behind the scenes there. I'd also really like to see some small improvements. Like I think a single sign-on approach would be great because any time that you've like logged into a new video provider and it's like, enter your cable provider information, and you're like, oh god, I'm going to spend forever like tapping this out with the remote control, or I'm going to have to go find my phone so I can use the keyboard. Um, and so being able to like sign in once because most of us probably don't have you know four different cable provider passwords if we have one. Um, <laughs> being able to go in and say like, oh yep, I'm a Comcast subscriber. Here's my username and password. Enter it once and have every other app like be able to access that and recognize that would just be a huge time saver and a huge convenience because I find that invariably some of the apps get logged out and forget where who I am. Um, sometimes I forget who I am. There's there's a lot of complexity in there. So having like little improvements like that that just streamline the appearance, I think, is kind of what Apple does best when it comes to doing new products in existing categories. So I, I hope that there's a lot of those little sort of tweaks here and there that just make the experience that much better. I agree. I don't, you know, all of that, plus uh, maybe some HomeKit integration and maybe some ways of uh, interacting with your iOS devices more richly. Uh, okay, so that's uh, two topics down. We have two topics more to go here in Clockwise, but it's halftime. And that means I need to tell you about our halftime sponsor. Halftime this week sponsored by FanDuel. So I'm going to talk. It's sports ball time, computer people. Uh, but some of you will understand what I'm saying. Uh, fantasy football for a minute. The NFL season is starting uh, and that means that FanDuel's week one games are almost here. There are uh, I I I the American football market has lots of fantasy. See, I'm going to do some nerd splaining here. I'm sorry about that. Basically, there there are uh, you pick players in fantasy football and you see if they do well or if they do poorly and FanDuel is a place to let you do that. It's the leader in one week fantasy football. You don't have to do. There are fantasy leagues that let you take the entire football season. I'm in one of those. Those are fine. FanDuel, though, also appeals to the quick hit nature of our society society today. One week fantasy football, more winners, more payouts than any other site. They're paying out, get this, more than $75 million a week this football season. There's a salary cap format. So basically you can't pick all the super duper stars because you'll run out of cash. You have to pick some superstars and balance it with some dark horse candidates and find the best lineup that's going to generate the best stats. And then if you are among the best, you win. 
actual cash. Entry fees in each FanDuel League start at just $1, so anyone can play. I tried out a FanDuel League the other day for for baseball. It was a lot of fun. I got to uh, play with the salary cap. Uh, really enjoyed that uh, the strategy of do you go with the all-star lineup and a bunch of scrubs, or do you try to balance it and find a bunch of people in the middle? I did terribly. I need to get better at it, but it was a really fun challenge, and I think for football, it's the perfect match because uh, unlike baseball, which goes day by day by day, football, you've got your week at a time schedule. Uh, so you should definitely check out FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com, F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Click on the microphone in the upper right corner. Use the code clockwise and sign up now. And there's a special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it up to 200 bucks. That gets earned as you play. A bonus of up to $200 for the first 50 people that use clo- code clockwise today. FanDuel.com. Click the microphone and say clockwise. Thank you to FanDuel for sponsoring clockwise halftime halftime see that itself is a sports reference all right we're moving on to uh, the third quarter of clockwise now the kickoff is about to happen it's me and it's this there was a rumor that came out last uh actually like yesterday day before very recently uh, that apple is considering uh producing original tv and movie content and this follows on the heels of rumors that apple made a made a, a play for bill simmons to do an exclusive podcast another sports reference there and also that the top gear uh, people who left the BBC were uh, one of the one of the uh, companies bidding for their services, which ultimately went to Amazon. Was Apple? So this is my question: Apple getting in the content game, not as somebody who's just presenting other people's content from other networks and studios, but actually being a programmer and 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 choosing to fund new TV and movie content. Is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? What do you think, Shelley? My first reaction was, oh, no, really? Because it just sounded like a bad idea. As, as so often happens with Apple's, uh, with rumors about Apple, it, something sounds kind of ridiculous off the top of your head, and then you think about it a little bit, and you realize it isn't about Apple actually making television shows. It's probably much more like you said, where Apple would fund content or would facilitate development by other people, which is, hap- which is what happens with Amazon and Netflix. Amazon and Netflix aren't making shows. They're funding artists who make shows. So potentially, if Apple does this, I, I guess that would possibly be helpful for their business in some way. I don't think as a viewer, I have a particular interest one way or another in whether Apple is uh, developing or facilitating the development of the content. I don't think that uh, some of the articles that we read trying to compare Apple uh, physical design with the design of their programming are really sensible at all. I think that's just silly. Um, And I don't know. I I don't feel like that seems like a play that makes a great deal of sense for Apple in terms of owning and developing content because they make stuff, they make hardware, they sell services. And I don't really uh, get the business case for why them actually uh, facilitating development of content is better than them making content deals with people who are already doing uh, great jobs making content, uh, Bill Simmons and whoever the other uh, sports ball players and uh, uh, commentators might be, may be creating wonderful stuff that Apple could leverage in some exclusive way. Apple's done exclusive iTunes deals with content other people have made before, and I think that's a perfectly logical thing to do. But but actually getting involved in greenlighting series and movies and such, I it seems a little far fetched. Yeah, I I think Shelley nailed it. I mean, I I, I agree that 
with everybody else getting into this sort of content production market in some way or another, it seems to me ridiculous that Apple wouldn't at least be investigating the possibility. Um, because as, as Shelly sort of put hit the nail on the head there, exclusive content is a big deal. And if Apple wants to drive people to whatever putative TV service it has in the offing, um, it needs to have something compelling. And some of that might be the price point or the experience, but some of it's also probably going to be what they have that other providers like Amazon or Netflix don't have. And so being able to leverage some sort of exclusive content and say, hey, we've got this thing that nobody else has, you know, if you come over to the Apple TV streaming service is incredibly powerful, especially when you're entering an entrenched market with all these other players who are all, you know, working on their own uh, exclusive content of some variety or other. Uh, and so I, I agree. I don't think it's going to come down to Apple actually like, you know, like Amazon does, like putting out pilots and having people green light pilots and stuff, in part because I think Apple's had an extremely tricky time being a gatekeeper in the past. We've seen this with the App Store stuff that, you know, how does it going to deal with with, for example, somebody wanting to produce a rated R TV show that has Apple's imprimatur on it. Um, and so having stuff like that is is a lot trickier. And I feel like the threading the needle on that one is more risk than upside. Um, but at the same time, there's no reason it can't work as just sort of a, a content provider. I, I think, um, in fact, on a conversation that I think Guy and I had on another podcast just the other day, we talked about, you know, a funding a series of like documentaries or something, you know, which would be seem much more up the alley of, of something like Apple. So I would not at all sort be surprised to see some sort of Apple co-funded production make its way to an Apple streaming service, but I don't think we'll see it. It won't be what Netflix and Amazon and Hulu are all doing. Yeah. Well, Dan just stole my shtick. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, basically some kind of spin-off company or entity that that would fund um sort of almost BBC style or NPR style documentaries. I can see that happening for sure. Um I don't see Apple wanting to get into con- like controversial for any amount of i mean even like the the netflix daredevil could be considered more violent than anything apple would want to stick their name on um on the other hand i can see them working with people to try to uh secure exclusive rights for a little bit and maybe that's a quid pro quo with like we'll fund you and then we get it for six months or something maybe that's something they can do um i also don't think that you not to sound like the blackberry guy here but uh you don't just walk into being a successful movie studio or tv studio uh netflix is not an accident they they work very hard and they've got some very smart people who are doing their programming for them um i think if anything it's a sign that apple won't or is not yet ready to get into this um is that they bought beats in order to get um knowledge of the music business and brought in house uh, and until i think you see them do something similar uh, in terms of TV or, or movies, um, I think they're still just sussing things out more than actually uh, sort of setting sail in a certain direction. I think these are all fantastic. You all you all gave great answers. Um, all I can really add is um, at a time when Apple is trying to negotiate all these content deals for its streaming service, it does seem like perhaps the last thing they want to do is set themselves up as a competitor uh, to those deal- deals. I don't know if that would be give them leverage or actually just make everybody else angry at them. Um, and I just wanted to mention, I, I on Twitter yesterday, I got in an argument with somebody about the idea. Their, their, their claim was, look, Zane Lowe plays, he's curating music on Beats 1. Apple's already gone down this path with music. What's to stop them from doing it with TV? And I think the difference 
difference is that this is not curation. Uh, it's more than that. And and Guy, you you hit it. When Netflix programs its stuff, not only is it making deals, sure, for a lot of the same shows that are on other streaming services and a few exclusives, but they're also working with studios and creators to choose exactly the right shows to fund to have made that, that then belong to them. That's uh, that's TV network programming, essentially, and that's a lot of work. That's a huge skill set. Um, Zane Lowe doesn't produce, you know, doesn't find artists and produce their albums and then release their songs on his radio show. He finds good songs that already exist and plays them. It's different to make new TV or movies. And I, you know, could Apple do it? Yeah, Apple could hire some great TV uh, or movie programmer, studio type person and put them in place. Do I want them to do it? I kind of don't because of what Dan said, their track record here. You know, Apple's brand is very particular. And I think that they've had some issues before um, figuring out sort of like how to balance being family friendly with cutting edge stuff. And Guy mentioned something like Netflix's Daredevil. It's like, does Apple really want to play that game? I kind of don't want them to. I don't know if they do. I hope they don't. All right. We are down to our last topic. It's Shelly. What do you have for us? A lot of us in our personal lives are probably what marketing people call tech influencers. We're the ones who decide or strongly influence what tech gets deployed in our homes and our living rooms. Uh, But a lot of times our family members and spouses have opinions about what they like in technology. Certainly that's the case in my house. And so my question is, have you ever found yourself negotiating or compromising with uh, loved ones or family members about what computing platforms, media apps, or services to buy and deploy in your life? Uh, I'm going to be very careful in answering this question because my girlfriend listens to the show. <laughs> Let me think hard about that one. Uh, I will say as far as my family goes, my parents are at the point where they pretty much, it's funny where I have to like sell them on things. The other day I, they were talking about how, you know, passwords or something. And I literally sat them down and made them watch the one password uh, promo video with Adam Lissagor in it. <laughs> Cause I'm like, look, Adam's going to explain this way better than I can here. Uh, and at the end they had sort of softened on like the, from the, like, oh, I don't want another program to do that. Like, oh, well, maybe that would be convenient. Um, so I find that sometimes the key is to, you know, sort of soft sell these things. Um, you know, as far as uh, other other relationships I have, uh, I find that the examples are the best way to sell it. Like, I, I don't, I find that a lot of times, you know, anybody, friends or family that I try to sort of hard sell on a product naturally sort of get to like resistant to it just because they know what I do for a living. They know what my biases are. And so being able to sort of go in and say, oh, well, of course you'd say that because you're you're an Apple fan um, is, is a little tricky at times. But I find that when I just use things, um, people are impressed or interested in them, such as I, I think of the Amazon Echo, which I know, you know, for example, uh, uh, my friend Lex Friedman ended up going on getting because I talked about it. My girlfriend bought one because she really enjoyed using it at my apartment. And so now she has one. Um, she also made the switch to an iPhone, even though uh, she was an, an Android user before that, which I think will probably be in part because I, you know, was using it and she would borrow mine and see the advantages of it. But she, uh, yeah, she, she, <laughs> she might decide to change that at some point in the future. Um, so I, I think for me, a lot of times I do have to sort of work with what people already have. And I know that people have a natural resistance to sort of changing what they're already working with, especially for those who aren't as technologically savvy. So trying to sort of show or display the advantages to a different approach rather than making sort of hard sell, I find to be much more productive. Well, I'm thinking so for myself, uh, I, you know, I have my own particular kind of way where I keep a lot of my media on, uh, network attached storage and all of that. Uh, mostly I just use iTunes. Uh, I try to keep it all simple, uh, mostly because I don't like messing with stuff. Uh, so I'll back everything up, but I, but I generally just use the sort of consumer level 
Apple stuff to keep to keep track of my media. When it comes to my parents, it's kind of a lost cause. Like they, they, <laughs> I mean, they have like an old CRT television that's kind of oh, yellowing yeah, from age. <laughs> like they, there's no talking them into even changing up a remote control. Like they, they don't want anything to do with it. And my girlfriend's an engineering manager, so I'm not telling her what to do about anything. She can, she can, she can teach me what to do. Um, so I don't know if I necessarily have this problem. Some people ask me for advice, uh, and I basically just try to tell them to keep it as simple as possible and to make up backups locally and, uh, you know, cloud backups. Um, but beyond that, expl- like specific advice about specific devices and stuff, uh, I don't usually get into. Yeah, I, uh, I've got, I'm the IT manager for my house. That's absolutely the case. And I set up our, uh, our email and our IDs and our passwords and everything like that. Um, every now and then I get pushback. We tried uh, the family uh, sharing stuff and I got pushback on that, which is understandable because it wasn't very good. It's better now um, and we are using it now. Um, I, I've got my, my, um, I'm a remote manager for my mom's technology. Um, you know, she got an iPad and I, I set her up with all of her services that she uses. I tried to introduce new services and she won't take them. Like, you know, you could watch Netflix. She's like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Um, uh, so it's harder to get other stuff in there. But I, I, I do have her set up with, you know, I set up her Wi-Fi router and I set up her email and it's all working and she knows how to use it. So um, every now and then I do I do bring in some, some service and uh, people... Uh, try it out and complain or they or they come to me with a request and you know i try to make everybody happy that's that's my job as the it manager in my house and sometimes i frustrate them but usually i I will say it is uh there's nothing like having your family look at you like you failed them because something isn't working (laughs) man that that is is the worst the worst so you mean i have to hit these six buttons to turn the tv on and switch the right input i'm so sorry yep I'm married to a software engineer whose preferred platform is Linux, and uh, we we have three platforms in our house, and uh, the the words I always hear from him that I do not like to hear are, I just want to print. That's all this one says. (laughs) Uh, And that's my job, but his job is managing photos. He has photos on uh, Lightroom, and we have an XBMC server where we have a lot of uh, files that we have uh, ripped from DVDs and various other things, And, and so we've kind of gone to neutral corners, not because we really disagree, but because we have interests that are separate. He's much more into the photo cataloging, and I'm much more into managing the music. Music is iTunes and Sonos for me, and he doesn't even want to know anything about it. So the only time that we clash is uh, uh, when we're printing or when, yeah, he's done something to the television that I can't quite figure out with, uh, usually with XBMC and Myth TV. And uh, my my brother-in-law, I have one sister, and her husband uh, used to work at Dell, and I, being an Apple person, I remember standing in my mother's driveway many years ago arguing about uh, what sort of device to get my mother so that she could uh, get on the internet. And we were both arguing that the other person should take care of it so that they would have to do the tech support. And I won, I guess, because my mother now has an iPad, but that means it's my job. So if she had a PC or an Android tablet or something, then it would be my brother-in-law's job, so... Somehow, I, I'm not sure whether I really want or not, but uh, <laughs> it's a little bit neutral corners and a little bit uh, inertia that tends to determine what tech is used in my family. Well, that's thank you very much, Shelley, for that. That's four topics. We have just enough time, I think, for a bonus topic. And since, as I mentioned up top, it is back to school season. So I thought I would ask you who, if you look back over your, your educational career, who was your favorite teacher? I can't remember his name. <laughs> Um, and I feel so guilty about that. Um, so it was in Sejap, which is uh, basically grades 11 and 12. 
Um, and he was my anthropology teacher. Uh, and he just fascinated me about the subject and uh, went on to study in university. Um, he, he was just really compelling. He, I, fascinating guy, amazing course. Uh, I would go back with my friend um, after we'd graduated. We would go back and sit in on his classes from time to time, bring him like a little shiny red apple and be the keeners. Uh, all of the kids, like the people who were still in, in school were like, what are you doing here? And we're like, just can't get enough of this guy. He's awesome. Uh, elementary school, probably uh, Chuck Holland. He, he got me into computers. High school, Max Lemon at Sonora High. He was a chemistry teacher and he was just hilarious and told really terrible jokes and it was awesome. And uh, in college, I had a great uh, lit professor, Philip Kitcher, and a fantastic chemistry professor, Diane Wolf. I will remember their names always, guy. Yeah, I know. I can't. <laughs> I'm so ashamed. <laughs> Seventh grade history, Art Cruiser taught me Texas history and was the first adult who actually would engage with me in discussions about history and current events and politics. My dad just told me to shut up at the dinner table when I was critiquing the evening news. And Mr. Cruiser took an interest and actually uh, let me express my ideas and, and let me learn how to, to argue and debate. And that was a great thing and uh, helped me in uh, forming opinions throughout my life. So, Mr. Cruiser. Uh, my favorite, 7th uh, and 8th grade, my homeroom teacher and also sort of uh, uh, English teacher at various times was Dick Yossi, and he was also sort of the... I always referred to him as the patron saint of all my friends and I because whenever we wanted to run a new club, he, we would totally get him to run that club. So we'd be like, oh, Mr. Yossi, we want a D&D club. He's like, sure, you'll run that after school. We want to do a school newspaper. Yeah, you can do that. Um, so he was amazing and he passed away a couple of years ago. I was really sad that I didn't get to, we were about to schedule a dinner with him to catch up and I'm sorry that I missed that. Um, and in college, uh, Shaka Turara, who was my Arabic novel teacher, was amazing. This little guy from the uh, Mauritius who was super charming um, and super smart and just always a delight to talk to. But we've reached the end now, Dan. We have again. Time only to thank our guests. Guy English. Uh, you can hear him regularly on uh, Debug, I believe, as well as frequently on The Rebound, where he is often Lex Friedman. Uh, Guy, <laughs> thanks for being here. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Shelly, what should I plug of yours since we're plugging well, people Well, how about here? my uh, brand new podcast? It's called The Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I did episode two last week with Allison Sheridan and Allison Hartley, and it's been a lot of fun so far. That's awesome. People can uh, can find out everything that you're doing at Brisbane, B-R-I-S-B-I-N dot net. And Dan, that's it. We're done. Another one in the books. Yes. We'll be back next week after an Apple event. Woo! That's right. Very exciting. But until then, we know you're all very excited about the Apple event, but watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.